the La Crosse Public Library Archives presents Dark Lacrosse Stories, a series in collaboration with the La Crosse Tribune. Dark Lacrosse is a suite of programs that feature the seedier side of lacrosse history and also include a downtown walking tour, a trolley tour, and an annual stage production with new content each year. My name is Henry Lysol, prisoner number 12681. I am serving a life sentence in Wapon State Prison for first-degree murder. I used to be a respected and trusted coachman for Samuel Hyde Sr. in La Crosse. I worked for him for 20 years. It was in the Hyde household where I met Petra. Petra Solberg was a kindly and beautiful housekeeper. I was married with children at the time, but lustful thinking led to an affair with Petra. That affair led to a pregnancy. Petra was pregnant, and I was the father. The plan was to meet Petra and give her $300 to go to Minneapolis to have the baby. When I picked her up, she demanded $500, or she would tell my wife, my family, my acquaintances of my sins. I didn't have the money. It was November 5th, 1914, and I picked her up in Mr. Hyde's car, and we headed toward West Salem. When we were on Salem Road, I stopped to fix a problem with the headlight. Petra was upset that I didn't have the $500 and started to argue. In a rage, I pulled a hammer from my back pocket and struck Petra repeatedly in the head. Only when I saw all the blood did I realize what I had done. I dragged her across the road. I was afraid someone would see us. As I pulled her into the brush, she twitched. I thought she was still alive. I knew she'd tell that I hit her. I had a family. I was afraid of disgrace. I knew I must do away with her somehow. All of this went through my head in a minute. I pulled a knife from my pocket while she lay there twitching. I cut her throat. I cut once, twice, probably three times. I cut and I cut and I cut. All this time she had been kicking. Then all of a sudden she lay still. I knew she was dead. At first I was going to run away. Then I knew the body would be discovered. I knew I must get rid of it. I took her by the feet and dragged her straight down the hill. I knew the La Crosse River was down there. I got her there. How, I don't know. I picked her up and I threw her in the swift current. I went back to the car. My hands felt damp. I held them in front of the lights and they were covered in blood. Petra's blood. Petra, the girl I had known and who had been so easy with me. I was terror-stricken. Every tree, every post seemed to be pointing a finger at me and saying, You did it. You are the slayer of this girl. I did kill her. I'm willing to confess it. In my cell, I've seen her face. She has haunted me. I have seen her as she was the first time I ever saw her. I have seen her as she was that night in the car. And I have seen her as she was after I struck her to the ground with the hammer. I have asked God and my family to forgive me, for I am most profoundly guilty of murder. 
After serving 15 years in prison, Henry Lysa was granted a pardon in 1929 at the age of 63. In prison, he was a model inmate. He became so trusted he would often drive vehicles between prisons, sometimes as far as 70 miles apart, unsupervised. He died in 1937 at the age of 71. He is buried in Oak Grove Cemetery. Petra Solberg is also buried there, alongside her parents in another section. And now I'd like to welcome in David Kranz and Anita Taylor-Doring. David is the director of the Southwest Wisconsin Library System based in Fenimore and was a member of the La Crosse Public Library Archives Department from 2013 to 2018. He did some of the initial research for this story. Anita is the senior archivist and archives department manager at the La Crosse Public Library, and she recently dug into new research on Henry Lysow and Petra Solberg. This was a horrible event. In the end, it wasn't terribly complicated. Petra Solberg's sister pointed the finger at Henry Lissow. There was evidence, and Lissow fully admitted his guilt. But it was horrible. Once confronted with his crimes, Henry was horrified at what he had done and became remorseful and despondent. While held in jail, he pleaded guilty to the sheriff of first-degree murder and waived his right to a jury trial. He was whisked away to Wapan immediately. One remarkable thing about this story is that there were calls for Liso to be pardoned just five years after he went to prison for murdering Solberg with a hammer and dumping her into the La Crosse River. Letters were sent to city newspapers reminding people of the needs of his family and also what a good person he had been up until the murder. The police chief and presiding judge, Edward C. Higby, participated in squashing that effort. Even the La Crosse County Board of Supervisors passed a motion expressing disapproval of a pardon. Several women's groups protested the pardon chiefly because of the violence against women and the potential threat Henry would be to the community if released. Conversely, Petra's family was silent. No letters from any Solbergs or acquaintances protested the pardon efforts. They were a poor Norwegian immigrant family made especially tough after the death of Petra's father Lars in 1902. His widow Beata was left to raise four children alone and likely was the reason Petra was urged to ask $500 from Henry instead of the original amount of $300 that was agreed to. After Petra's murder, two of her sisters died early deaths in the 1920s. The widowed son-in-law supported Beata and her remaining son, but this support ended when he remarried. Petra's mother and brother wound up living at the poor farm during the Depression. Liso was eventually pardoned after serving just over 14 years in prison. That was fairly typical of what we've observed for murderers of that time, serving about 15 years after receiving a life sentence. His wife Anna never lost faith in her husband, and she and her children went to visit Henry when they could at Wapon. She had to rely on partial financial gifts from her children to pay the bills while Henry was incarcerated. Upon his release in 1929, the pair reunited and spent the rest of their days together, Henry dying in 1937 and Anna following in 1945. They are buried beside one another in Oak Grove Cemetery. One newspaper article suggested that Henry didn't have the money for Petra to go to Minneapolis because he wanted to help his son establish an auto mechanic garage. This was 1914, and while automobiles about town were not completely new, they were only beginning to spread in earnest beyond richer families and enthusiasts. Lusso was a coachman for Samuel Hyde Sr., and the car he drove Petra in belonged to her boss, Samuel Hyde Jr. Aside from the murder, we do observe here some of the societal changes that relate to advances in technology and the increased access to technology. The hired chauffeur had begun to replace the coachman, 
and as auto ownership spread, similarly would the auto mechanic begin to take over the maintenance and repair duties of the paid driver. As you may have noticed earlier, Solberg and Liso both worked for the Hyde family, Petra for one of the two sons and Henry for the father. The Hyde family was prominent in La Crosse. Samuel Hyde Sr. had done well in his career as a grain merchant and had become involved with several businesses in the city and region. He was a vice president of the Batavian Bank and had his offices in that building on Main Street. By 1914, he had retired, but clearly he still employed servants, such as a coachman, and his son was still employing a domestic servant as well. The place where Petra Solberg was murdered has changed over the years. The road has moved and been renamed. It used to be called Salem Road, or South Salem Road, because it was the road to West Salem and it came into West Salem from the south. The portion of that road we're talking about here, we now know as Highway 16. The location where Liso stopped the car, described as being about a mile north of the golf course, was near what used to be called Dead Man's Curve. With the expansion of the road and the development along it, this sharp curve in the road is no longer present, but the location is believed to be somewhat near where Gillette Street intersects with Highway 16. Thanks for listening. <laughs>